The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we are underway here on the Monday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7, October 23rd, 2023. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. Another gorgeous day here in the Auburn Opelika area, but uh, feelings are probably not very high or positive right now when it comes to Auburn football uh, with the loss over the weekend once again Auburn falling in SEC play Ole Miss comes to town and takes down Auburn 28 to 21 Auburn now has a losing record for the first time this season they're also 0-4 in SEC play so we're going to talk about all of that here today on the show it's Monday uh, it is uh, reaction Monday overreaction Monday maybe if you want to go that far as well um, just so many things to talk about from that game on Saturday. Also want to look at some of the games uh, around college football. While it was not the most exciting weekend of games, there were some big results. So definitely want to talk about those as well. Um, want to hear from you, as always. The phone lines normally are, are flying off the handle on Mondays, and that's what it's about. I want to hear from you. You've had a couple of days to sit on it, right? This was on Saturday. Now it's Monday. You've had a couple of days to sit on it. How are you feeling? What's on your mind? How are you feeling about Auburn? How are you feeling about the coaching staff and the players and everything that you saw and witnessed and heard on Saturday from Jordan-Hare Stadium. Give us a call. We want to hear from you here on the Monday edition of On the Line. 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through to us. We are here in the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. They sponsor our studio each and every day between 2 and 4 p.m. here on ESPN 106.7, so we do appreciate them for that. Go and check them out over in Midtown on 800 Main Street in Midtown, just off of Opelika Road. Be sure you go and check them out for all your pregame festivities. Also, before we truly get underway, want to go ahead and get in our Orthopedic high school, Orthopedic Clinic High School Player of the Week. And uh, this week's is Lee Scott Academy's J.J. Myers. The senior running back had three total touchdowns on the ground on Friday night as Lee Scott Academy uh, defeated Fort Dale 42-10 and secured the two-seed in the upcoming playoffs. J.J. Myers is your Orthopedic Clinic High School Player of the Week. The Orthopedic Clinic is East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika to better serve you online at theorthoclinic.com. So congratulations 
congratulations to J.J. Myers. Lee Scott did, in fact, win on Friday. Uh, they went down to Fort Dale, and uh, we took care of business. I'm just going to put it that way. Lee Scott took care of business, uh, defeated Fort Dale, got the two seed in the playoffs, and so uh, final regular season game coming up this Friday. Then they have a first-round bye next week and then hosting the semifinals the following week. So great things going for Lee Scott. Uh, Auburn High, on the other hand, had a tough game uh, against uh, Central on Friday. And, man, I'll tell you what, Central High, they have got some players over there. One that Auburn University has their eyes on, Cam Coleman, who had himself a night. Nine catches, close to 300 yards, and four touchdowns on that Auburn High defense that has been playing really, really good all season long and so um, I know people that were there I was talking with our friend Jack Hutton who's on the broadcast crew with the Auburn High School Sports Network and he was saying that's the best high school wide receiver he's ever seen I mean that's just what he said he said it's the best high school wide receiver I've ever seen play the game of football and Auburn has to do whatever they can to get him to come to Auburn so we'll see how that plays out we'll talk about all that as we move along today as well. But like I mentioned, phone lines are open. How are you feeling on a Monday? Let's talk Auburn and Ole Miss. Let's talk college football. 334-321-1390. Initial reactions from Auburn and Ole Miss on Saturday. For me personally, as I was covering the game there at Jordan-Hare in the press box with some people in, in the media, right, some media friends, I really was kind of speechless. I was really struggling to put it into words on what was happening in front of our eyes on Saturday because Auburn played good enough for the most part to win this game. And Auburn, yet again, had a handful of chances to do just that and win the football game. But they just couldn't get going, right? It was a very exciting first quarter. Back and forth, back and forth. You look up 15 minutes in and it's 14-7 to Ole Miss. And you're like, well, could be worse, right? It very well could have been 14-0 if Auburn didn't get their lone touchdown in that first quarter. Then Auburn scored again in the second quarter. And all of a sudden, we're tied at the half. But again, there were missed opportunities in that first half for Auburn. They could have been leading at the half. Ole Miss comes out in the third quarter. They score a touchdown. It's 21-14. You get into the fourth quarter. They score another touchdown. It's 28-14. And that was it. That was all she wrote on that. It was over, right? Auburn scored down the stretch, but by that time, the game was over. And with this Auburn offense, down by two touchdowns, it may as well have been down by 50. Because there was no, at least from me personally, there was no confidence in the offense to do anything. And that was going into the game, during the game, and of course here on a Monday after the game. Here's my biggest issue that I'm waiting and got a little bit of answers today in the weekly press conference from Hugh Freeze. But here's what my biggest issue is with Auburn being 3-4, 0-4 in conference play and losing to Ole Miss on Saturday. 
this was another game that Auburn lost, but was a winnable game. There is nothing, I mean nothing, in sports that drives me crazier than when a team loses a winnable game based off of poor coaching, poor execution, missed opportunities. This was another game for Auburn that was winnable in this four-game stretch, and you couldn't find a way to get it done. In this four-game stretch, I think the Texas A&M game was winnable to an extent. It got out of hand by the end. But I do think there were chances to make that a really winnable game. Georgia was definitely winnable. You had plenty of chances to take down the number one team in the country at Jordan-Hare Stadium. LSU, no. You maybe could have made it closer, but you were not going to win that game. Based off of what their offense was doing going into it, and based off of what their offense is still doing, you were not going to win that football game. And then this game on Saturday against Ole Miss, they did everything they could to let Auburn in this game and keep Auburn in this game and give Auburn chances in this game. And yet, here we are on a Monday for the fourth straight time talking about a loss in SEC play. And here's what it comes down to. They can't build any momentum on offense. They can't move the ball consistently. And there's so many different factors here that we've been talking about all season long. And that's my biggest issue. I know we're early in the show, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Here's my biggest problem. This is the same football team that I saw in week one as I saw on Saturday against Ole Miss, especially on the offensive side of the football. What has changed? What has gotten better since week one of the Auburn season? All the way back in week one against UMass. I know they put up 59 points. I don't care. It was UMass. What has changed from that game to what you saw on Saturday against Ole Miss on the offensive side of the ball? It's the same thing. Especially since that cow game where the offense truly stalled and you won 14-10. to And I bring this up because I was thinking this on Saturday. And so we know that there is a problem at quarterback and there is a lack of confidence in that quarterback room from the coaching staff. And the reason I say that is because you're still seeing both coaches or you're still seeing both quarterbacks. You're still seeing both of them in really, really questionable times. There were so many situations on Saturday where it was obvious it was a Peyton Thorne play and here comes Robbie Ashford. Or vice versa, third and one, here comes Peyton Thorne. Robbie Ashford had been on the drive. It's third and one, and you sub him out, and you give it to Peyton Thorne on a third and five, and you turn and hand the football off. I don't get it. I don't get it. There's a lot of questionable things happening on that side with the quarterbacks. And a lot of you, the listeners and the fans, are begging 
for it to be one or the other, right? One quarterback or the other. At this point, I don't think anybody truly cares who it is as long as it's just one and let it be established. Now, I think a lot of people have a preference on who it would be, and I think the preference is to make a change. But pick somebody and stay with him. And that's what I've been saying too. Make a game plan around one quarterback. And we know there's problems with the receivers. We know that there's an issue there. We knew it coming in. And here we are, seven games in, and those issues still remain. But here's what I'll say. I bring this up, and I brought it up on Saturday night in the post-game press conference. I asked head coach Hugh Freeze. I was the first one up, and I said, after the Cal game, when we saw both quarterbacks be in rotation, you said that you were not a fan of that, and you didn't like that. And that, he didn't say we wouldn't see it again, but he said he wasn't a fan of how that went down. He said that on Monday after the Cal game. And so I asked him on Saturday night, I said, here we are still seeing that. What's the game plan and the mindset behind still doing that? And I didn't really get the answer I was looking for. He was very bold to say that that wasn't the reason Auburn lost on Saturday. And, you know, he had some things to defend it with that. But it just seems like it's not working. And we talk about it all the time where how often do two quarterback systems truly work? Especially in the SEC, in Power 5 football. It's really tough to do. As I try to come to the defense a little bit, it's really tough to do that. To run two quarterbacks in, a, in an offense. To sub one in and three plays later sub him out and put a completely different quarterback in who has completely different skill sets, completely different timing, completely different rhythm. It throws everything off. Throws everything off. And I just don't think it's the way to go. I really, really don't. But yet, you saw it drive after drive after drive after drive on Saturday. And here's the big thing before we get to break. I was told... And I, didn't, I wasn't keeping up with this number at the time, but I went back and checked it, and it's right. The Auburn defense, who played lights out once again, not perfect by any means, but they did their job. They had stopped Ole Miss nine straight times. They had stopped the offense nine straight times, and Auburn's offense had nothing to answer for it. What did I tell you on Friday had to happen? When Uncle T-Bone was in here, what did I tell you? I said, the defense is going to get theirs. The defense is going to play good enough. But the offense has to support them. And guess what didn't happen? The offense didn't support the defense. And I know they gave up 28 points. And I know Auburn technically scored 21, but that last touchdown was garbage time touchdown. The offense has to help out the defense, and you've got to change it up. You can't keep doing the same thing and hope it works. And Ole Miss, defensively, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't see anything from Ole Miss defensively that I was like, wow, what a really good play. What a great scheme that was. What a great game plan 
the Ole Miss defense had against the Auburn offense. I didn't see any of that. Sure, they played good, but I didn't see anything that was just mind-blowing and overwhelming from Ole Miss defensively where I was like, wow, Auburn just can't do anything offensively. No, it was all on Auburn. Yet again, it was on Auburn's offense. We'll talk some more about it. I want to hear from you on a Monday. You know that. Mondays are open for you. Give me a call. We want to hear from you on the show. Your thoughts on Auburn and Ole Miss. 334-321-1390. We'll get to the phone lines when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. All right, let's get to the phone lines. People are lighting it up right now here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We're going to get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390, and we're going to start. Uh, we think we got three people over there. We're going to start with Jones. You'll be first up. Jones, you're on the line, man. What's up? Same old thing, different day of the week. How you doing, young fella? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good, man. What's on your mind? All right, let's get this thing clear. Let's go for it. I'm old enough to be Hugh Freeze's daddy, so I'm going to talk to him like he's my son. Okay. All right, Hugh, you don't know Auburn like you think you do. Let's put the Robbie quarterback test, whatever you want to call it, shelve it. It's over. If he has no threat to throw the ball, and every fan needs to hear this, stop the dadgum process stop the experiment go ahead and let thorn be your quarterback make him your starter where he doesn't have to look over his freaking shoulder let him play the game unless he's injured or something if you got down on the goal line and you feel like well we got to have a robbie package screw that you've got running backs that can take the ball and run you don't need a guy that's never going to be a threat to pass that's over defensive coordinators are on to this game thorn's going to be your starter Robbie was given this process by Hugh because I think, little Hugh, you probably were afraid you were going to lose some of the locker room because of what happened the last four games of last year when Cadillac was the interim. Mm-hmm. I understand that. You need to sack up a little bit, just like Coach Dye did when he got there. Don't be afraid to hurt feelings, but stop the goody two-shoes. Let Thorne be the guy. You brought him in. He's your man. Let him play this game. See what he does. No offense to Robbie, but Robbie, you've shown us your sample size. If you want to play football at Auburn, do the Cody Burns process and become a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. All right? I'm well, going to leave it at that. I'm going to let somebody chime in if they disagree, and they probably will. But I'll guarantee you, Jones is right. Appreciate the call, Jones. I think it's very interesting. Appreciate you calling in. 334-321-1390. A unique perspective. I think is the best way to put that because most people have been reverse of they gave up, especially going into the Ole Miss game, giving up on Peyton Thorne and saying it's time to put in Robbie Ashford full-time. But Jones brings in the perspective of quit pulling them in and out, right? And let one guy, that goes back to what I'd mentioned, let one guy be the guy And Jones is saying, let it be Peyton Thorne. And here's a stat that backs that up that our friend Jack Hudden texted me a few minutes ago that I want to shout out before we get to Spectre. Here was Peyton Thorne's stat line from Saturday. 9 of 13 for 100 yards on the money. One touchdown, one interception, three drops. So four non-completions, three of them were drops or hit receivers in the hands. The other one was a 50-50 ball. 
Not a huge blow-you-away stat line, but 9 of 13 for 100 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. It's not a huge great stat line, but it's not a bad stat line either. 334-321-1390. Spectre, you're on the line, man. What's up? Well, I'll agree to a certain point. Okay. But, uh, you know, either quarterback does not have the time on the field to develop into a quarterback that we normally see on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, you got both quarterbacks coming in for a series and then taken out because he did something negative. You don't leave him in there long enough to, to, to get the, the wrinkles out, get the butterflies out, or whatever it is with these two quarterbacks. Build some confidence. Neither them, yeah, neither one of them can can comfortably throw downfield mm-hmm. without throwing into a, a nest of defenders. Um, so basically our passing game is a 15, 20-yard game. You know, I know it's midseason, but, hell, we got a stable of running backs. I say to hell with it. Go wishbone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, we got we got two we got three huge tight ends and we got a stable of running backs and if nothing else go wildcat the whole damn day. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly, yeah, I mean, something has to change. That's the that's the bottom line here because what they're doing just isn't working and you're spot on with the fact that none of the quarterbacks really have there's no rhythm to the offense whatsoever and that's what I was saying a few minutes ago about when you let a quarterback play for three plays and then you pull him out in, or for two plays and then you put the other quarterback in on third down and you go three and out regardless then you've got frustration across the board. Or if they pick up a first down and then they sub the other quarterback in and you're still just turning and handing the football off, like, I know you're trying to put one in for a running threat, but if you're just going to turn and hand the ball off, why not let it be your QB1? And, you know, the time isn't always there with the protection and the receivers are still not getting on and getting open in the right spot at the right time. That's a whole nother conversation, but it's just a, it's a cluster, man. I, it's just, it, it really is baffling. You know, I don't know. It's possibly old Miss was giving us the cushion there on that last drive, but look what we were doing in that drive. We were throwing 10, 15 yard passes mm-hmm. and, and running the ball down the field and scoring. You know, if that's what it takes, let's do that. Yeah. But I'm seriously, I you know the running backs are getting cheated here, and if, if you're going to blame it on the offensive line, come out and say it. But you know these running backs need a chance to run. They do. And, and change the game up. I mean, hell, if they're not working with this type of play scheme with the, with the playbook the way it is, change it. Yeah. Yeah, something something has to change. I'm with you, Spectre. And I think and I think everybody knows that too. Appreciate the call, man. Great to hear from you. That's Spectre joining us here on the show as well. Jones Spectre calling in. Uh, we got Terry who's on hold. We're gonna wait and get to him after the break because we're up against it about a minute or so. Want him to have plenty of time uh, to say what he has to say, just as Jones and Spectre did. Would love for you to call in as well. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Your thoughts on a Monday afternoon coming out of the Auburn and Ole Miss game. A couple of really interesting points, and I'm glad Jones called in about that because, as I mentioned, 
That's a much different perspective. But think about it. If you're Peyton Thorne, right? You're Peyton Thorne, and let's just say after, what, after the LSU game or even after the Georgia game, right? You're not feeling super confident, more than likely, because the offense has not done a whole lot. Against A&M, you scored 10 points, and against Georgia, you scored 20 points. And then, after LSU, you scored 18 points. If you're Peyton Thorne, you're not feeling overly confident, but why would you, as Jones mentioned, because you're constantly waiting for Robbie to get subbed in. Mid-drive. Not even to start a drive. Mid-drive. We're subbing quarterbacks in and out. And I know Robbie took the first snap on Saturday, and that was fully planned. And Hugh Freeze talked about that today. And they had a play drawn up that didn't get executed properly, was supposed to go big and get the offense moving, and it didn't work. But if you're Peyton Thorne, how could you have any confidence? Given receiver struggles, offensive line struggles, he hasn't been super sharp, but I don't think he's been super bad. We'll talk some more about it when we come back. Terry, you'll be first up when we come back. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Let's get to the phone lines once again. Uh, Give us a call. What's on your mind? How are you feeling on a Monday afternoon? 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. We appreciate you holding on, man. What's up? Now, Jacob, you know that I've been a Hugh Freeze guy from day one. Mm-hmm. I've said this all along. I said, he's the guy for Auburn. He's a perfect fit. You feel a butt coming, don't you? Although I do, yeah. <laughs> although, I would say he's trying to please too many people. What do you mean? And, and uh, Well, he's, by switching quarterbacks, he's, he's so scared of the NIL right now, and one of them would leave. And I understand, to a degree, I understand that. But I had a, a superior of mine years ago. And my job tells me something. If somebody don't think you're the north end of a southbound mule, you're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, and that's so fair. I think that's what he's doing. He's trying to appease everybody, and nobody can establish any kind of rhythm or you know interaction with their teammates. Or I don't think that, that that's true for Thorne and Ashford. You know, it's interesting. And, I, I, and why in the world does he put Sean Jackson on kickoffs and not in the in line for line of scrimmage? I know. I see that so many times on kickoffs. No I said something to uh, uh, to Lance Dahl, host of, of Locked Out Kentucky and, and with Auburn Daily, good friend of the show. I was sitting with him in the press box on Saturday, and and when Sean Jackson runs out there, it's like, you know, I get it. Like, if he gets going, sure. But, it, I mean, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to put Sean Jackson back there, but uh, I always think that's really funny. But the, the perspective of – Hugh Freeze trying to please the quarterbacks, Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford, because he's scared for them to leave. I'm going to respectfully disagree, Terry, because I just don't think he's worried about... Let's be honest. Does anybody have any confidence that either one of these guys would be a starter next year if they were to come back and be at Auburn? I mean, I don't... what's coming. Exactly. So 
why would, in my opinion, why would Hugh Freeze worry about one of these guys being, which they could. I mean, Peyton Thorne has another year of eligibility, right? He could, but given what you've seen so far, plus, like you mentioned, Terry, what's coming, why would he want to worry about that too much? I get what you're saying, and I think there are times where that's absolutely the case, and it's something that coaches have to worry about nowadays, which sucks, but it is what it is. Um, I don't think that's what's happening with that. I think he's trying to find something that works and trying to have a threat of both, but as we all know, it's just not working. Yeah, well, I, I think Jones was spot on. Robbie Ashford needs to move to another position. He's fortunate and blessed to have the athletic ability to do it. If he wants to play at the next level and make a ton of money, that's what he better do. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see him playing quarterback at the next level. I don't think there's – look, I'll be completely honest. I know I've said, and I said coming into the Ole Miss game, it was Robbie's chance. I think Robbie should have gotten more playing time. At this point, I, like, I think I said this already, I don't care – who it is. I don't care if you put in Holden or Hank Brown. Whoever it is, let them be the guy. And then let's find out because that's the problem. To this point, we haven't seen one guy outside of early games in the season play a full game at quarterback. And yeah, just because uh, something works against UMass, something needs to work against LSU. Correct. Exactly. And I don't know. And again, there are more problems than just who's taking the snaps behind center. Um, but, I mean, that's a huge part of it, right? And I just think there something has to change. Things have to change. you got to realize he has the Laramie Tunsil on the offensive line. He don't have a Brown or Trevor or receiver, and he don't have a Chad Kelly at quarterback. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to adjust your offensive thinking a little bit. Yeah. That's coming from a guy who supported you wholeheartedly. So the other thing, last thing, uh, Jacob, please, for the love of all humanity, quit line up in the shotgun on third and short. Yes. Please. Preach it. Preach it. Yes. It's ridiculous. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. You're accepting a six-yard loss when you've got a one-and-a-half-yard game. Put some in there who's six four, six five, and he just falls down and gets the first down. I agree. And it's catching on across all football. I don't get it, Terry. I have no idea why. Makes no sense. So many teams done. are doing it. And the Philadelphia Eagles are showing you how to do it. Yeah, exactly. And then, and you know, helps they have a guy that can squat 700 pounds. Well, that does help. <laughs> that <laughs> definitely help helps. At the same time, at least you're doing it the right way. Right. Give yourself a chance. I'm, I'm with you. Give yourself you a chance. Give yourself a chance in the shotgun. Yep, I'm with you. Especially like on the goal line, you see that a lot of times too. And I get they're trying to get the running back to run or the quarterback to get downhill or whatever and get a little momentum, but you're also giving the defense more time to get in position and stop you before you get there. Absolutely. Take care, Jacob. Appreciate the call, Terry. 334-321-1390. Would love to hear from you. Give me a call. What's on your mind? How you feeling on a Monday after Auburn and Ole Miss? 334-321-1390. Spectre brought this up, and I want to bring it back up. He brought up the running back room. And I don't know why, but it seems like Auburn has gotten away from running the ball more than what they probably should. And they're still running it, don't get me wrong. And Jarquez Hunter had his best game of the season on Saturday against Ole Miss. Had his best game of the season, which was great to see because we had not really seen the Jarquez Hunter of the past until this past Saturday where he had 15 carries for 91 yards and two touchdowns, right? That's a good game for Jarquez Hunter. And Auburn ran the ball 39 times, only threw it 17 times. So they are still running the ball, but 11 of those carries, in quotations, and 8 of those carries, in quotations, were from Peyton Thorne 
and Robbie Ashford. And one of the carries was from Holden Gurner in the end of the game, or the it was the whatever you want to call it play. So according to the stat sheet, 20 of your 39 carries were by quarterbacks. Guess how many carries running backs had? 19 between Jarquez Hunter and Brian Batie. 15 from Hunter and 4 from Batie. That's not enough. That's not enough. With a guy like Jarquez Hunter, like Brian Batie, like Jeremiah Cobb, who is still not getting involved in the running game as he should, you do have Sean Jackson back there, who I think is really, really talented. And I know that Damari Austin's still hurt and, and hopefully is closer to being back. But Auburn's bread and butter since the day it existed, since the day Auburn football was created, has been running the football. And that's how this team needs to be successful. Start out by running. Run the ball with the running backs. And I know the offensive line is not great by any means, but I don't think it's bad. Now, you do have an issue at center right now, with Avery Jones going down in the second half. That didn't help. And Hugh Freeze talked about that today, and that's a big issue. And Freeze said that he would be, basically he said the word I want to use is doubtful for Saturday with Avery Jones. Connor Liu came in and played really well, but he's young. He's very, very young, and he's raw. He's going to be good down the stretch and down the line in years to come. But you're now having to adjust, and especially on Saturday in the second half, you're having to adjust on the fly with a very, very young and inexperienced guy playing center with some of the big guys up front for Ole Miss. And they had a few. That's tough to do. That's really, really tough to do on your new center, on the coaching staff, and how you can call plays knowing that as of right now, that is a weak point on your offensive line. It just is. It won't be down the line and in years to come, but it is right now. So that's really tough to do as well. But overall, Auburn's got to run. Establish the run. Get it going early with your running backs. Get them going downhill. Get Jeremiah Cobb out in space. He has been electric when he gets the football in his hands. Same way with Brian Batiste. He's the same way. When these guys are getting the ball in space... They are really, really, really talented. And I mentioned earlier the passing numbers for Auburn. Peyton Thorne, 9 of 13 with 100 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Robbie Ashford, 3 of 4 with an interception on the deep ball into double coverage on a play that I guess they thought they had something and and he just unloaded. I don't even know if he looked. I think he just unloaded it and, and it got picked off. It just, there's not a whole lot here. Like when you look at the stats for Auburn offensively, and I know we all watch the game and listen to the game and whatever, but when you go and look at the stats, man, there's just not a lot going on compared to what Ole Miss did, which again, Jackson Dart didn't throw the ball a whole lot, but when he did, it was effective. He threw a 10 for 17 for 202 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And here's what Ole Miss did with their number one running back. You ready for this? 21 carries for Quinshaw Judkins, 124 yards, 
and a touchdown. That is what your running back one is supposed to do. That is what you're supposed to do with a top five running back in the SEC, like Quinshaw Judkins, like I think Jarquez Hunter can be. You're supposed to use them and use them to your benefit and establish the running game to take pressure off of your struggles at quarterback. Now, Ole Miss was able to run the ball and throw the ball because they have a talented quarterback in Jackson Dart. Their other running backs had 17 carries for 52 yards. Jackson Dart even had a few rushes as well. I just don't understand the mindset and the game plan behind this offense right now. Because you understand what maybe they're trying to do, but it just, I I don't know. I really don't know. And again, I'm still struggling to put it into words, which is really crazy because that's what I get paid to do. But something has to to give. Something has to give. you got to change because you're eight games in now, or seven games in, excuse me, you're seven games in, and it's the same team, the same offense. It's the same thing. Look at your Power 5 scoring numbers. 14 against Cal, 10 against A&M, 20 against Georgia, 18 against LSU, and 21 versus Ole Miss. That's not good. That's not good. I mean, you're averaging less than 20 points a game in Power 5 football. You're not going to win. You're not going to win doing that. And I know there are talent gap issues at times, But before we get to break, here's what I'll say about Auburn and Ole Miss on Saturday. There was not a talent gap. Maybe a quarterback, sure. Jackson Dart played well. And Auburn would take Jackson Dart as their quarterback right now. And he would start this Saturday against Mississippi State. You better believe it. But other than that, is there really that much of a talent gap right now between Auburn and Ole Miss? I don't think so. And I know they're a top 15 team. But do we really believe that based off of how they played on Saturday? Based off of what we've seen in the past? I think they're good. I don't think they're top 15 in the country. And I don't think the talent gap excuse can be used in this game on Saturday. And I don't think it is being used. But I wanted to nip that before we continue. Because I think the three games prior, A&M, Georgia, LSU, sure, you could use that. Talent gap wasn't an issue on Saturday. 334-321-1390. Let's get to a break. I want to get Ed when we come back. Give him plenty of time to talk as we wrap up hour number one. Would love to hear from you as well. Give us a call. What's on your mind here on the Monday edition of On the Line? You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get back to the phone lines as we wrap up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Ed, appreciate you holding on through the break, man. You're on the line. Well, hey, uh, Jacob, good, good to talk to you. I, I just I wanted to agree with you on a lot of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on – the excuses, you know. Now, listen. Do you, let me ask you: Do you think that uh, Nick Saban spends any time on recruiting? 
Does he spend time on recruiting? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Steve Tarkin? It's a rhetorical question, right? Yeah. Every good uh, Kirby. Uh, everybody does. Mm-hmm. So when I hear a coach saying, "I'm spending so time, so much time recruiting that I can't, you know, I can't uh, look at the offense, I can't, you know," I don't understand that. Do you? Are, are yeah? I, and I think you are. You alluding to the comments that he made? You know, like he's so focused on recruiting that he's, you know, not thinking about the game until like thirty minutes up to kick off and stuff like that. Yes, mm-hmm. that's, that's that's been a big. It's not the first time he's mentioned that. He said the you know the whole, and and hey, listen, we know and we appreciate that he's doing you know recruiting and mm-hmm. doing a, a dang good job of it. But I think that probably everybody that finishes in the top ten in recruiting, the head coaches, I would say, you know, spend about as uh, spend a great deal of their day doing the same thing would you agree with that or am i wrong i mean i feel like everybody's probably different ed but i think yeah i mean look here's the thing there's a time to buckle down and be a recruiter and recruit and when all the recruits are there on campus yeah you gotta be in their face and talking to them but there's also sure. a time during the week and on Saturday where you've got to focus on a game plan because you've got to win some football games. And that's what we've talked about, and I know you and I have talked about on this show, is sure, yeah. you can recruit these kids as hard as you want, but man, if you go 5-7 and seven in year one and don't show any proof of concept, you're going to lose out on some of these kids. Exactly, and you've got to get them, like we've talked about, you've got to get them an exciting-looking you know, a, a hope for, hey, we're going to move forward. Correct. We're not going to recede through the year, and we have kind of receded. But, but uh, and, and uh, it, it's just the play calling. Uh, listen, speaking on the talent gap, mm-hmm. a talent gap doesn't excuse why you got 10 men on the field one time and you got 12 men on the field the next time and you've got players jumping off sides and you just look like a poor coach team. I mean, uh, which we did. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I mean, I think we all know that Montgomery's, you know, on, on thin ice, but, I, well, he might not he might be, you know. He, he better step it up. There's no doubt. I, I think Montgomery's got to step it up and, and – and, Look, Freeze said that he's he's calling plays right now, and Freeze implements and kind of steps in Hello. where he wants to. Hey, oh well, sounds like we sounds like we lost Ed. Apologies for that. Um, got a couple of minutes, Ed. If you can hear me, uh, call back and I'll I'll let you finish out your conversation there. Got a couple of minutes. Um, but here's here's the thing about penalties and turnovers. Before this game, if you remember, Auburn's turnovers on offense were really really low like Auburn has believe it or not for an offense that doesn't move a whole lot they don't turn the ball over a whole lot now they had two interceptions on Saturday but one was a, a just a lob play by by Robbie Ashford into double coverage right and then uh, uh it's, and both of them were kind of that way so the two interceptions weren't killer and the penalties for Auburn really weren't all that bad 
they were just really poor timed. That's the issue. You had seven penalties for 57 yards. Ole Miss had 10 of them for 66. 57 penalty yards is not a whole lot, but it's the poorly timed penalties where, you, like like Ed said, jumping off sides or false starts and holding, right? Hold, I hate holding calls. If you know me and know this program, I hate holding penalties just about more than anything in football. But those are the ones where, yeah, you look at coaching and situational awareness and and the emotions on the sidelines and the engagement in the game, right? Hugh Freeze said today he was very impressed with how the team fought, right? How hard the team played and how they continued to fight through the game and mentioned, you know, there's really only one game where this team didn't play and give the effort up to the expectation and the standards, and I think we all know which game that is. So that's good to hear. But at the same time, like Ed was saying, when it comes to excuses or or explanations on why certain things are happening and why Auburn is still winless in the SEC, I don't think you can use recruiting as one, and I don't think Hugh Freeze is, but there's a time and place to recruit, and there's a time and place to game plan and strategize and coach and find ways to win. Because again, I'm a firm believer in what I told Ed just a couple of minutes ago. Hugh Freeze and this staff can recruit until their legs fall off, until they pass out and die. But if you don't win games, and if you don't show proof of concept, and you don't show a little progress in season... You can preach that the future is going to be great, but if they can't see it with their own two eyes and how they are going to make that better, you're not going to get everybody, and you're not going to flip a guy like Cam Coleman or keep a guy like Perry Thompson. you got to start winning some games, man, and something's got to change. We're going to continue talking about this coming up in hour number two. Phone lines are open. Give me a call. Tell me what's on your mind. 334-321-1390. We'll also talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network coming up in hour number two. Don't go anywhere. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, you know what to do. Go find the podcast after the show today, commercial-free, wherever you get your podcast. You can find it on our website at ESPNAU.com as well, commercial-free, uploaded after ESPN. 
each and every show. Lots of reactions so far um, from Auburn and Ole Miss on Saturday. Had tons of calls in the first hour um, and some really unique takes, I think, is a way to put that. Some really unique perspectives um, and opinions and some different uh, some different ones as well. And so uh, excited uh, to, to continue this conversation. I know it's not a fun conversation since Auburn lost on Saturday, um, but everybody's got a thought. Everybody's got an opinion, myself and you, and I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through to me. That number again, 334 334- 321-1390. Phone lines are open for the next 30 minutes or so. If you want to call in uh, and talk about Auburn and Ole Miss, if you want to talk about any other game in college football that happened over the weekend, I do want to talk a little bit about those coming up in a few minutes. Um, but how are you feeling? It's been a couple of days since the game. Uh, we talked a lot of offense in the first hour um, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, the fact that Auburn still can't consistently move the football. Auburn still cannot score enough to win games and cannot help out the defense uh, when they need it. So talked a lot about that in that first hour and there's some things that I want to come circle back to and and also bring up that I haven't had a chance to. Um, Loyal listener uh, of the show, uh, Greg, he tweeted at me and I missed it in the first hour but I wanted to read this because I think it's interesting. He said, starting this week, I believe you'll begin to see an attempt to get to more of what Freeze and Montgomery want the offense to be. Up-tempo, RPO, pass game, etc. Reason being is they will not be scared of what the opposing offense can do to Auburn's defense. And the reason he says that is the reason that a lot of people have brought this up, and even Hugh Freeze himself has brought this up, where... It seems like at times, I don't know if this is the case all the time, but there are definitely times where you can tell that there are very, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Seems like Auburn's holding back on offense sometimes and killing the clock sometimes to allow the defense a little bit of time to rest. And calling plays on offense to protect the defense, like Greg said in that tweet, to protect the defense from what the opposing offenses could do. And when you look at the last three teams that Auburn has played, they're top 15, top 20 in the country, and top 15, top 20 in offense in the country. And in a normal season, in a normal situation, yeah, you totally want to have that into built into your offensive game plan where, okay, we're not going to try and score in 30 seconds and bring our defense immediately back on the field after playing an eight drive or an eight play drive that took five minutes and the other team scored. Let's not go super, super quick on offense and bring our defense back out here and be exhausted in the fourth quarter. Normally, in normal circumstances, that is a part of the game plan. But guess what? Auburn doesn't have the capability offensively to go and score in 30 seconds and score in two or three plays. I haven't seen it. Have you? I don't think it exists right now. And so, Greg has a really interesting point. Has Auburn just been holding back offensively? God, I hope not. I hope not. I hope Auburn hasn't been so worried about other offenses and tiring out Auburn's own defense that they've just been super conservative on the offensive side, which doesn't even make a whole lot of sense, really. Why not? Why would you not want to go 
and make some drives and get some first downs and try to score. And I'm not saying Auburn's not trying to do that, but you see what I'm saying here. They've been worried about opposing offenses in Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss. And they've been worried that the defense can't hang in for four quarters. But guess what? Two out of three games, they did. The Auburn defense did their job against Georgia and did their job against Ole Miss. And yet, the offense was still the same. Failed to score more than 24 points, give your team a chance, and the defense tired out anyway. So, maybe Greg's right. Maybe it's finally time when you're playing a Mississippi State offense that has not been impressive. Maybe now Auburn finally opens up the playbook. I don't know. I don't know. It really is crazy. Speaking of that defense, though, I do want to talk about that Auburn defense for a minute because we have talked a lot of offense. The defense is playing up to speed. The defense is doing their job for Auburn. They are keeping this team in ball games. Is the defense perfect? No, not by any means. There are some issues on this team on defense that Auburn has to get figured out. And if they do, they're going to be playing lights out the rest of the year, especially when you look down the schedule and look at the offenses Auburn's about to be playing. Mississippi State, not good. Vanderbilt, not good. Arkansas, really not good. And then Alabama, coin flip, right? New Mexico State, obviously. So if Auburn can find a way to fix some of these problems on defense, on a defense that's already playing good, you're going to be in every game. And you're going to have a really good chance to win these games, including the Iron Bowl and hopefully a bowl game if Auburn can turn it around. Here are the problems that I see. One, the defensive line still cannot get pressure on the quarterback. I don't care what quarterback it is. Jackson Dart has all day to throw. Carson Beck had all day to throw. We know what Jaden Daniels did against this defense. These guys are having too much time. They have too much time. Anybody could play quarterback right now and have somewhat success with the time that they're having. And that's the issue. You've got to get some pressure on these quarterbacks. And I'm not saying you've got to get 10 sacks a game, but you've got to have a little bit of pressure. And you've got to put a little stress on opposing quarterbacks and make them look over their shoulder once or twice because Auburn is not doing that. Now, they had a couple sacks. Well, they had three total, I think, on Saturday. One and a half for Marcus Harris, who played extremely well. One of the best games I've seen him play. But the rest of the line, you had McLeod, who got a sack, and Eugene Asante had half a sack. He was in there. Eugene had another good game. But the constant pressure is just not there. And some of that is from scheme, and some of that is from play calling, where Auburn's maybe dropping more and only rushing three or four. But you got to get home. The big guys up front got to get home. Because look at your sacks. Marcus Harris, yeah, again, had one and a half. But your other sacks came from Eugene Asante and Jalen McLeod. Your guys up front got to put some pressure. Stress the quarterbacks out a little bit. Make him uncomfortable and make bad decisions. We know this defense is good at forcing turnovers. They forced two of them on Saturday. They forced multiple turnovers in just about every game this season. Help yourself out 
by making the quarterback stress out and maybe he'll make a mistake. But the defense has got to get some pressure, especially from the defensive line. When it comes to the linebackers, the only one that I saw that really struggled was Larry Nixon on Saturday. And it just seems like, look, Larry Nixon, he led the team in tackles. He had eight total tackles on Saturday. But there are times in that middle linebacker position, he's just out of place. And there's a lot of times, especially against Ole Miss, where there were plays that were right up the gut, right in the middle, whether it was a throw over the middle, a run up the middle, or a cutback up the middle. And that's exactly where Larry Nixon was supposed to be, and he wasn't there. That has to be changed. But luckily, that seems to, that could be a coaching thing. Like, hey, stay in your lane. You know what I mean? Stay in your lane, be where you need to be, and make the play. Because when he's there, Larry Nixon's a big guy. He's going to make the tackle. Again, he led the team on Saturday. I'm not worried about that. I'm just saying there seems to be some times where he's out of position and plays happen where he was supposed to be. That has to get fixed as well. I do want to mention this. The defensive side of the football has been just plagued by the injury bug, and we all know that. Shout out to Keontae Scott, who came back on Saturday and played his you-know-what off. His, he played his butt off on Saturday. Keontae played really, really well, and you can tell the difference week to week when Keontae Scott is on the field and not on the field. You can tell there's a massive difference when he plays. And when you can have him, DJ James, and Jalen Simpson, when you can have those guys on the field making plays, it is a huge, huge deal. And so shout out to Keontae Scott for coming back off of injury. Uh, Crazy that he's playing already. And crazy that he's playing at this high level. So I did want to shout that out as well. But after all of that defensive conversation, I come back to say this, as I started at the beginning, the defense is doing their job. They're playing well enough for Auburn to win games. They are. If Auburn scores, it's a tie game. If Auburn had scored earlier, that drive they had would have been to tie the game. That's perfect. Maybe if Auburn had scored earlier on offense... Maybe Ole Miss makes another mistake on or turns the ball over again and they don't get that other touchdown in the fourth quarter. I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities there. The defense is doing their job. There are little things that need to be fixed, sure. And there were a couple plays that the Ole Miss offense just, they just beat the defense. Jackson Dart just beat them. And that's going to happen. But you hold this Ole Miss offense to 28 total points in four quarters of football, I mean, what what else do you want them to do? There's not a whole lot that you can ask the defense to do. Yeah, they gave up 425 yards, but Ole Miss was also 2 of 11 on third down. They were 2 of 4 on fourth down, which hurts. And one of those third down conversions was a third and long for a touchdown. That doesn't help either. But 2 of 11 on third down, 28 points, I know the yardage number was a lot, but we know one thing about this Auburn defense. They are a very, very bend-but-don't-break defense. And I have, I have nitpicky things. That's what this has been. But you can't blame the defense for the loss. 
here we are again where they put this team in a situation to win and it didn't happen. We talked a lot of offense in the first hour, started this hour with defense. And here's the problem, okay, here's the problem with that Ole Miss game on on Saturday. Here's what was at stake between Auburn and Ole Miss. When you look at the Auburn season for 2023, you came into the game, right, you win your first three games of the season. Somehow, some way, you win your first three. Then the four-game stretch hit, because we're out of that now. We're out of that four-game stretch that we said was pivotal for the season. It was not going to be easy, right? You were not going to be favored in any of those ball games, And you had opportunities to win a game that you were not supposed to win, which to be a successful season, you've got to do that somewhere. Whether it be Auburn this year or any team in the history of college football, to have a good year, more than likely you have to beat a team that you're not supposed to beat, unless you're Georgia or Alabama, where you're favored in every game. For a team like Auburn this year, you had to beat somebody that you were not favored against. You had chances against Texas A&M. You had many chances against Georgia. Big arguments could say you should have won that game. LSU, no. that We know that. That was not going to happen. And then again on Saturday against Ole Miss, you had your chances there. And it's crazy that the Georgia game was probably the most winnable one out of all of them. But you go 0-4 in that stretch. A stretch that I said you had to win a game. You needed a game. And you didn't get it. And here's the problem with losing that Ole Miss game. Is now, if you don't turn things around offensively, and let's say for whatever reason the defense starts to slide a little bit because of lack of support on the offensive side of the ball, if you don't turn things around and you mess around, you're staring down six and six. You're staring down the barrel of a six and six season, which I told you back in the beginning of the year, six and six was okay if it was done the right way, if Auburn was competitive, if Auburn got better, if Auburn made progress throughout the year. We all suspected somewhere in the seven and five, eight and four, possibly six and six range. And I said, with any of those possibilities, any of those would be fine in year one. More than that, duh. But any of those possibilities would be fine, and those outcomes would be fine if Auburn was competitive and was getting better and showing progress for this season and progress and potential for the future. But here's the problem. We're seven games in, and Auburn doesn't have any of that. So far, Auburn doesn't have any of that. There is no positivity. There is no progress. You're competing barely you're competing on one side of the ball sure the team's playing hard but has Auburn really have you felt like Auburn was going to come out and come back and win these games in the last four when they were down even with leads did you feel confident that they were going to hold on to it and win the game at the end of four quarters I don't think many of you felt that way and so here's the problem with Ole Miss you lose this game Even if you turn it around, 
you should win the next four games. If you are Auburn, talent-wise, coaching-wise, situation-wise, Auburn should win the next four games on their schedule. Home versus Mississippi State. On the road at Vanderbilt. On the road at Arkansas. And home versus New Mexico State. Auburn should win those four games. And if you do that, you are now a seven-win football team. You're going to a bowl game. Congratulations. You've got your seven wins. Right there where, at the beginning of the year, everybody would have been okay with. You're a seven-win team when Alabama comes to town. A chance to be an eight-win team in year one. But if you would have beaten Ole Miss and then you win these next four games, you would have been an eight-win team when Alabama comes to town. And a chance to win the Iron Bowl at home in Jordan-Hare Stadium to be a nine-win team in year one under Hugh Freeze with this roster. That's the significance of the Ole Miss game on Saturday. And it's slim margins. Hugh Freeze talks about that. There are slim margins and small things that Auburn's not doing that's not allowing them to win these games. But that's the difference in you losing to Ole Miss on Saturday versus winning. You still have a chance to be a seven-win team and possibly eight. But as I've said the entire show today, things have to change. 334-321-1390. We're going to talk a little college football outside of Auburn and Ole Miss. Talk about some of the big games in the country from over the weekend because coming up at 3.30, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us recapping a busy weekend in Auburn athletics. All that coming up here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. We've been talking a lot of Auburn Ole Miss um, uh, for obvious reasons and uh, talked about the offense, talked about the defense. I also talked about the what the game on Saturday against Ole Miss meant and the fact that you lost it versus what a win would have meant, now you're st- you are legitimately staring down 6-6 six and six if you don't turn things around. I think Auburn can get to seven wins if you take care of business, um, but if you slip up, God forbid you slip up against Vanderbilt, or if you slip up on the road at Arkansas, um, then you're staring down six wins and having to beat Bama to get to seven. So there's all sorts of crazy things. If you had won the Ole Miss game, you could have been an eight-win team in the Iron Bowl with a chance to go nine wins year one with a depleted roster compared to other rosters in the SEC. So that's what Saturday meant. It is what it is. Um, great thing is you turn around and play Mississippi State. Somehow, some way, you got a 2.30 kick. I don't really know how that happened. You're on the SEC Network at 2.30 in the afternoon. I thought for sure this would be an 11 a.m. kick. Also, the Vanderbilt game is a 2.30 kick. I also thought this would be an 11 a.m. kick. I don't know how that worked out, but either way, it's an afternoon game both times. Um, And as we got a couple of more minutes before Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us, Michaela, our intern show producer, has a question and something to propose. What's on your mind? What's up? 
So obviously we hung in there with Georgia. We hung in there with Ole Miss. But I honestly think if we were to play those games in Athens and in Oxford, they would have steamrolled past us. And you kind of said right before the break that you think we should win these next four games easily. Two of them are on the road. We've looked notoriously bad this entire season on the road. And do you think that can play a factor? Playing a team like Vanderbilt and Arkansas, which have been pretty bad. But to me, right now, those are not locked-in wins for us, in my opinion, right now. I mean, I'm not going to say they're locked-in wins, but... Oh, you better win. I mean, you, you especially Vanderbilt. You have to win that one. And then with how Arkansas has looked, especially on Saturday where they scored, what, three points and fired their offensive coordinator midseason? I mean, it, it's kind of crazy. You would expect – I've got my Arkansas buddy saying Auburn's going to come and win this game in a few weeks, and we're a month away from that game. And they're still telling me that Auburn's going to come and win that game. But you're absolutely right. Here's what Auburn has done on the road in Power 5. 14-10 against Cal – 27 to 10 in a loss against AM and the 48 to 18 beatdown that was LSU. So, no, Auburn has not played well on the road. But is Vanderbilt really a road game? No, not really. I mean, it's a five hour drive. You're going to have more Auburn fans there because of the Nashville group than you will Vanderbilt fans. And you, you just can't lose that game. Arkansas, yeah. I mean, it depends on if they can turn it around offensively. And. If they're playing better offensively in the next three weeks when Auburn comes to town, it's a coin flip. I'll just I'll just be honest with you. It's a coin flip at that point. So Auburn's got to figure it out. But realistically, you should win those games. Like, you just should. There's no talent gap. Auburn's, I think, even with this roster, should be more talented than those teams. You should have better coaches than those teams. And you should just be better than those teams. But here's the big thing, too. And as and we'll talk about this as we get through the week. How does Auburn pick themselves up off the mat? I mean, you're on a four-game skid. I mean, you are on a bad four-game slide against good teams. But how does Auburn respond this weekend at home against Mississippi State? How does Auburn respond if they win? I think you get a lot more confidence going to Vanderbilt, right? If you If you lose to Mississippi State this weekend then yeah, I think you could be worried going on the road to Vanderbilt. You're on a five-game losing streak playing Vanderbilt. I mean, there's so many different things here. Thankfully, this weekend is at home against State because if you had to go to Starkville, I'd be worried. I would be too. I'd be worried. I mean, I really would. So it the road games, yes, at least it's Vanderbilt and Arkansas, two teams that are desperately struggling and desperate for a win, but you should win these next four. I mean, there's 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 no excuse, in my opinion, even given what we've seen so far, to lose the next four. And Auburn has to find a way to save the season. You have to win those games. And here's something, too, that'll come up in conversation as the weeks go on. Let's say Auburn, in quote, turns around the offense. Then the conversation is going to come up, well, did Auburn really turn the offense around, or are they just playing lesser competition, right? I think it's a fair question, but I think there's a way to look at it and break it down to nullify that question. So we'll see what happens. Auburn loses to Ole Miss on Saturday. They've got Mississippi State coming up this weekend. We'll continue talking Auburn and Ole Miss when we come back with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, plus some updates from around Auburn athletics, some really big results for volleyball, soccer. We'll get it all from Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network when we come back here on ESPN 106.7.
with Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067, and I say it that way because we have Jacob Hillman on the phone lines from the Auburn Sports Network. Hillman, great to hear from you, man. Hope all is well over at the Sports Network. Yes, it is. It's, it, it, it's been a great two weeks since I've spoken to you, and uh, yeah, we're happy that the fall has hit, and it, it is just a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, day outside in Auburn. Yes, and it's been like this for the last couple of weeks. It's kind of crazy. We're actually getting a fall in the state of Alabama. I didn't know that existed, but um, we're actually... You can't beat it. No, you really can't. It's good golfing weather. I don't have time to golf, but it's perfect golfing weather. Um, I've got a little bit of time yesterday morning, so I'm I'm pleased with what I've done. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a lot more than I've played in the last six months. Uh, But yes, it is nice outside. And while it may be pretty outside, the vibes around town may be not so pretty with the uh, loss on Saturday for Auburn football versus Ole Miss, the fourth game in a row that Auburn has lost, still looking for their first SEC victory. Ole Miss comes to town and beats Auburn 28-21. to Hillman, your breakdown and takeaways from what was a, 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 a disheartening loss, I think, for Auburn on Saturday. Yeah, a, a little bit so, and, and that's because you were at home. You had all the juices flowing, one of the best atmospheres in the, in the nation going. The defense, I thought, stepped up uh, in a big way throughout the game. Obviously, uh, you go into halftime tied at 14 and then you don't give up any scores until, obviously, the last play of the third quarter. So I, I would say you basically gave up two scores uh, in the fourth quarter. And in, in, in my opinion, I do think that it does reflect a little bit on the offense. The defense got a bit gassed uh, there towards the end of the third quarter. Just a, just a big, explosive drive uh, from Ole Miss to really take the lead. And, and my, my, my thought there is, obviously, it does start uh, with the offense and and the inability to, to throw the ball, but I did see the positive running game looked better than it did against LSU and looked more like it did against Georgia. Um, I thought Jarquez Hunter had the best game of his season so far, and, and like I said, the, the positives that you take away are the defense uh, for the most part, and then uh, Jarquez Hunter running the ball well. The negatives, on the other hand, obviously uh, unable to sustain any drives in the second half until you're down 28 to 14 and you get that last touchdown uh, to Rivaldo Fairweather. But uh, yeah, I, I think that there's there, there's some work to do, especially with the quarterback rotation and figuring that out. Um, and, and we'll see how it's handled. Yeah, that's where I was going to go next. It just seems. You know, there was a lot of people calling for for Robbie to start on Saturday versus Ole Miss, and he did. He got the first snap, but Peyton Thorne did take the majority of snaps at QB1. Um, and we still saw the rotation of those two quarterbacks within the same drive multiple, multiple times. Where do you stand on on multiple quarterback, a, a duo quarterback system and subbing guys in in the middle of a drive. I, I'll just be, I'll tell you, I'm not a fan of it. I'm okay if you want to play both quarterbacks at certain situations, but playing one quarterback for two or three plays and then subbing in the other quarterback for a play or two and then bringing the other one back in, it just seems like you can't ever get a flow. I'm curious on where you stand. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think Saturday showed that uh, a bit, especially in the second half when. Uh, it was really tough to get the running game going. Uh, that, that's what that's what I observed was 
you know, when when these guys were switching back and forth as much as they were. You know, like like you said, I, I like I, I like being able to have two different guys. I know the whole saying, if you have more than one quarterback, you don't even have one. I, I don't think that's the case with Robbie and Peyton. I think they are both capable uh, in, in their own way. And it, it's all about finding the best way to use them. And I thought, you know, you look back at that Georgia game, I, I think that's a game we're going to look back on a lot and see some of those successes. You had, you had a quarterback, you had a drive, um, a scoring drive by Robbie Ashford as well in that game by Peyton Thorne, and it felt like uh, that was the way the game should have, the, the, the quarterback strategy was going to be the rest of the year. It was a lot of red zone Robbie, and, and maybe in certain situations, like a short yardage uh, package in, in the middle of the field. But other than that, it was Peyton Thorne. And, and Thorne, I mean, and here's the thing, it feels like whenever he's at his best is when he's using his legs uh, the best to his ability, which obviously isn't as good as Robbie Ashford, but he, he can move, and we, we saw that against Georgia. We saw that this past weekend at times, and I, I do think that having more of a consistent uh, strategy there, more of a consistent game plan will help each of the quarterbacks and the rest of the offense. But, again, when, when, you, when you struggle to find the success um, the way you did this past Saturday, it's hard to figure out, I think, exactly where you want to go with that. In your opinion, how big and, and how impactful for the rest of the season and when we're sitting here at the end of the season looking back at whatever Auburn's overall record is, how impactful is it that in this big four-game stretch that everybody's been talking about that you and I previewed uh, going into it, how impactful is it that Auburn was unable to get a win in this big four-game stretch against really good competition against Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU, and then Ole Miss on Saturday? Yeah, I, I think it definitely it, it stings a bit because I think you had your opportunities, especially against Georgia. You had your opportunity against Ole Miss coming out. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, I think that you really had that opportunity until what it felt like uh, just just a dagger in the middle of the fourth quarter um, on that Ole Miss touchdown. So you you had an opportunity for three and a half quarters against Ole Miss. You had an opportunity the entire game against Georgia. Uh, Texas A&M and LSU felt like you you really were never in it. I guess Texas A&M you were, but uh, that was even more of a struggle than I think Ole Miss and LSU were uh, as far as the offense getting going. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think when you had the two chances that you did, especially at home, it's going to sting. Now, obviously, that four-game stretch is followed by a four-game stretch where you're probably going to be favored in all four of these games. If you're not, you're not going to be favored at Arkansas, but that's going to be very, very. I, mean, I don't think Arkansas will be favored by much, but the way they're looking, it, 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 I, I don't see uh, Auburn not being favored in that game. So it, it's all about how you respond. And if you can follow a four-game losing streak with a four-game winning streak, I think that shows a lot of resiliency and uh, a team that wants to overcome some adversity. It already has, uh, as far as guys that have returned from last year and are playing this year, That that that's a big deal. So I think that these guys have a chance to really prove themselves and, and get to a bowl game, have a successful season, improve upon last year and the year before. And here's the thing, if you're riding a four-game winning streak going into the Iron Bowl at the end of November, you have all the momentum in the world, and uh, you never know what can happen in Jordan-Hare Stadium. 
Yeah, you better believe in it. If you have that four-game winning streak going into the Iron Bowl, which is in Auburn this year, you have a chance to show off what would be a really, really impressive atmosphere. And Hillman, I think that's what there is one of the positives to take away from this past game on Saturday against Ole Miss was the atmosphere was really impressive. And you had a great performance by the band at halftime. Uh, the fans showed up, the show showed out, the students were there. It was loud, under the lights, tons of recruits. And so I feel like those are some of the positives you can take away from this Auburn Ole Miss game on Saturday. Yeah, I think this is one of the – well, we talked about Georgia being a big recruiting weekend, and I think just below it because I think the Iron Bowl probably takes the cake for biggest recruiting weekend of the year. You're right before signing day. You're trying to get those last uh, last commitments and, and everything like that. But I think this one, being a night game, being being Ole Miss middle of October, uh, is probably one, is one of the biggest uh, recruiting weekends of the year. And I would say right behind Georgia – with the night game, with uh, the crowd being the way it is. And, and like you said, the band halftime show was, was awesome to watch. And, you know, it, it, it's just credit to what I would say this the entire external staff uh, in Auburn Athletics, uh, Rhett Hobart, Daniel Watkins, uh, Paris Buchanan, th- those three guys kind of lead the charge there and, and, and do a great job. And, and I think it's really shown uh, with the fan experience and, and everything that goes into that. Uh, so far this year, it culminated on, on Saturday night. And obviously, you've got another uh, big home game this weekend against Mississippi State and then the end of the year with New Mexico State and then the Iron Bowl. So uh, there's still plenty of time to uh, get out and experience it. If, uh, you can go find tickets on SeatGeek. But, man, it, 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 it's a, it, it was an awesome atmosphere. And the juices were flowing, especially before kickoff. It, it was hard. It, 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 I was amped up. I was ready to go in. <laughs> it, it was a great time. So. Yeah, well, there it's just, it's always like that at Jordan here. And Hugh Freeze had talked right. about wanting that and asking for that, and I think Auburn fans did just that on Saturday. We're talking with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network who joins us every Monday during On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Want to get some updates from you, though, on other sports around Auburn athletics. I know soccer was in action this weekend. Uh, in their last four games, they've got two wins, a loss, and a tie, which I hate in soccer, but it is what it is. <laughs> it's the worst thing in sports, I think. But Auburn soccer is on a roll i know they had senior night uh volleyball as well was in action this weekend what can you tell us from around auburn athletics other than football yeah i'll go in chronological order to start on friday night and uh auburn equestrian got another top 10 win over georgia uh bulldogs ranked number seven in the nation and auburn won that 12 to 8 they have another home meet this upcoming friday all auburn all orange against south carolina three o'clock central at the auburn university equestrian center uh, those Tigers are going to continue to roll, and obviously we, we talk about this. The fall season matters, but, man, once you get into the spring, that, that's when the, the real meets start mm-hmm. and you get set for those, uh, the, those championship uh, moments in March and April. Now, soccer uh, played on, uh, on Sunday with a senior night, like you said, 3 still win over LSU. So the interesting thing going into that was, uh, Auburn was not in the SEC tournament at that point, but with that three win, that three nothing win, they launched themselves into the SEC tournament, eighth or ninth place in, in the SEC. I think they're tied with Vanderbilt, so there's a tiebreaker there. I'm not sure which way it goes, uh, but you got to be in the top ten. So it would be big to go to Georgia on Thursday and, and, and get at least a tie. Maybe uh, if you can get a win, then then you're locked into the tournament, and that would be big. Auburn has not missed back-to-back SEC tournaments in over 20 years. So wow. it, it would be a really, really big deal to 
did not miss for the second year in a row after after missing out last year. So uh, the Tigers really want to make that. But I mean, yeah, big, big time senior moment for Maddie Simpson, who scored two goals uh, in that win over LSU. And then as far as Auburn volleyball goes, yeah, it, it was it was another big night on Sunday. So, so Friday night, uh, it wasn't the best showing uh, for the Tigers against. Uh, Missouri losing in three straight sets, but then another bounce back against South Carolina in five sets. And, and this team has been a bit injured. Coach Brent Crouch has talked about it, uh, that they're really battling right now. And, and they're trying to figure it out as the season goes. Unfortunately for them, there's another month um, of it. So there's a little bit of time to, to get going, and they're still ranked at the top 25. So you're still in a good position. Uh, but I, I think what Coach Crouch wants to do is to add more uh, signature wins to to the resume, and uh, they're trying to figure out the best strategy with some of these injuries. Um, so, so I'm excited to see Madison Shear. She she has been on fire. She had 24 kills and four blocks against South Carolina. Those 24 kills tied her career high. So it it really is something that this team has has a ton of talent, um, and they're just trying to trying to find more consistency as the season goes on. Yeah, that's what Coach Crouch talked to me about last week was just the injuries trying to just get healthy. And, you know, it's so hard in SEC play in any sport when you're battling with injuries, trying to keep up with so much talent across the board each and every night when you're competing in this conference. An interesting trend for Auburn volleyball in SEC play Every time they've gotten swept, all right, so they got swept against Arkansas, they got swept against Missouri, and they got swept. There was one more, I think. Maybe I missed it. Either way, last two times right. in SEC play, they got swept. They bounced back with a win. And I think that's a really, really big deal, uh, including the win on Sa- on Sunday against South Carolina after being swept at home on Friday. You turn around and you beat that South Carolina team once again. I mean, this team is really, really fighting, um, and that puts them at 15-5 and five overall, 5-4 five and four in conference play. And as you mentioned, they've still got a long way to go. Yeah, and, and something Coach Crouch, uh, he, he talked about it a lot last year as Auburn obviously was on the outside looking in for most of the year for the NCAA tournament. Now you're kind of in that in that criteria. Of, it, it's all about being in the top 30 of the RPI. Auburn's there. They need to continue to win, win, win these matches they should, and, and, and find a couple wins outside. And, and looking at the rest of the schedule, you're not facing a lot of those Tennessees, you're not facing those Floridas or those Arkansas that have been so, so dangerous this year and really good. You're facing a lot of the middle of the pack, and there's a few teams that come out and surprise you. Your next two matches are on the road. Uh, your next three matches are on the road, and your next two are rivalry matchups. So at Georgia on Friday and then at Alabama on Sunday, and then you finish up a, a road stretch at Texas A&M the following Sunday before you're finally back home Wow! the first weekend in November. Man. So – these next three matches, I think, are super critical to this team's success. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joins us every Monday at 3.30 here on ESPN 106.7, giving us an update from around Auburn Athletics. The fall is busy. Uh, you've got winter sports kicking up here very, very soon. Men, men and women's basketball are uh, just a couple of weeks away, and I know we're all still in works trying to make sure everything is ready to go for that. It's about to be even busier. I know it's hard to believe, Jacob Hillman, but it's about <laughs> to be even busier. And uh, Again, we appreciate you and your time each and every Monday. Let everybody know where they can find you and everything you guys are doing with the Auburn Sports Network. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Follow the Auburn Sports Network at AU Sports Network. There'll be details about Tiger Talk this upcoming Thursday at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. It'll be on Wings 94.3 at 6 o'clock Central. 
Hugh Freeze will obviously join. Jalen McLeod will be on the show with us. And uh, head women's basketball coach Johnny Harris, you were talking about those winter sports. We're getting to start it with her on Thursday on Tiger Talk as the women's basketball team gets prepared for its season. Awesome, man. Appreciate you. you guys do a fantastic job, and we'll talk to you next Monday, okay? Thanks so much for the time, Jacob. War Eagle. That's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, who joins us every Monday here on the show. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap it up here on the Monday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up and winding down here on the Monday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Big thanks to Jacob Hillman, as always, on a Monday afternoon for joining us here on the show. We appreciate him giving us some updates from around Auburn Athletics. He joins us every Monday at 3.30, so we do appreciate his time. If you missed any of the show today, be sure to go and find the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. Talked a lot of Auburn Ole Miss today. Had a ton of calls on the show as we typically do after an Auburn game and especially after an Auburn loss where everybody just look everybody's got their thoughts everybody's got their opinions and rightfully so and there's no doubt uh, that things have to get better things have to change and I've talked a lot about the significance of the game on Saturday I've talked a lot about the offense about the defense took a lot of your calls on the show today it was really really fun so if you missed any of it just go and find the podcast we post it commercial free right after the show each and every day Um, before we get out of here I know I haven't done this yet I said I would and I haven't and so just want to look across college football really really quickly in what was supposed to be like a really fun entertaining weekend it just really wasn't like a lot of the big games especially in the early slate on Saturday were just really boring Ohio State Penn State that was one of the most boring football games I've ever watched in my life and shocker I know Penn State couldn't pull it off yet again they let Ohio State beat them again big game Penn State falls short again I don't know, man. I don't know. Penn State's going to have to do something. Their offense absolutely fell flat. And I think I saw a stat where they were like one of 16 on third down. Like, unbelievable on that offense was was just non-existent on Saturday. And Ohio State didn't do a whole lot. And we know Penn State has a good defense. But, man, that was a boring game. But Ohio State did win, believe it or not. Um, so, congrats to the Buckeyes. Uh, Florida State, they, hang, they played around with Duke for a little bit, but they pulled away thanks to 21 points in the fourth quarter. They beat them 38-20. to How about Washington? Did anybody watch that game? Did anybody watch Washington Almost let Arizona State, a one-win team, beat them 15-7. to You want to talk about an ugly score. That is ugly. 15-7. to Washington and Michael Penix went 275 and two interceptions. That'll hurt your Heisman numbers a little bit. Washington wins 15-7. to There's always a game like that usually, so credit to Washington. You at least got the win, but, man, it was not pretty by any means. Oklahoma. Barely beat the fighting Gus Malzahn's of UCF and 
He had a, a play from the Iron Bowl a couple years ago that he pulled out in the UCF game. It worked. He also went for two at the end. It did not work. And UCF was unable to take down Oklahoma. Texas had to fight to beat Houston. Washington State Wazoo hung around with Oregon. Virginia took down North Carolina. That was kind of crazy. North Carolina probably done out of the ACC. I mean, you're only a one-loss team, but you can't lose to Virginia. That's terrible. Alabama handled Tennessee down the stretch Tennessee had chances they jumped on them early too and let Alabama come back and beat them Utah took down USC because USC is not a good team I don't know just a eh weekend in college football I think some big results just nothing over the top entertaining Arkansas fired their offensive coordinator this week too so that's kind of interesting we'll talk some more about that of course Auburn and Ole Miss and Auburn in general on the show tomorrow stay tuned bill and dan coming up for the drive from four to six here on espn 1067 until tomorrow two to four right here on the auburn opelika sports leader i'm jacob Goins. stay safe i'll talk to you later